We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Sarah threw eight NFL weeks thus far by his high standards. Ravens wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. is not off to the fast start he'd like right in his return, of course, from the ACL tear. And he once again opened up as to why that's the case on Thursday. Yeah, because Bobby, he was pelted with questions about why that wasn't the case in that <laughs> locker room Thursday. And he was asked about the helmet slam, which we all watched on Sunday in the desert. He was asked where things are with his on-field chemistry with Lamar Jackson and a whole lot more. Yeah, I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host, Sarah Ellison. It is Friday, November 3rd, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, which is brought to you by this month's small business Patreon title sponsor, Mid-Atlantic Financial Group, LLC. We make commercial financing simple. Well, Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, he also met with Media Thursday, and he shared... Uh, what he thought saved his offense on Sunday in Arizona. Plus, an onslaught of players returned to practice on Thursday, so we'll run through those updates, and we're going to catch you up to speed on some of the social media buzz that's seemingly growing by the minute around defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as a potential head coaching candidate. Yeah, we have all of that and much more coming up, so thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Okay, Bobby. Well, I know you've pulled a ton of clips uh, from the OBJ kind of impromptu media session in the locker room. Um, Yeah, we all know where he's at. We all know where he's at. We know he's coming off the ACL, but then he had, you know, another little injury setback, I think in week two and three. Um, we saw the helmet slam, all of that. So tell us what was going down in the locker room. Yeah, so Brian Wacker covers the Ravens for Baltimore Sun. This All of this video is courtesy of his. What he did was he put up a bunch of them that were two-plus minutes each. And what, what I've done, to your point there, is break it down by by clip. So, you know, we'll begin with, Odell being asked about just quite frankly his status through eight weeks now that he is you know nearly two months into this season and trying to come back from that and really have a full healthy season for the first time since that 
torn ACL from a couple Super Bowls ago. Here's OBJ. Um, obviously, I'm not where I want to be, but when I signed here, I said I want to come here, win a Super Bowl, and win, and we're six and two, and uh, on the way to that. So, got to keep going. Long season. So not where he wants to be. He was immediately followed up with on that in terms of what he meant specifically. I don't know how to explain it. Just I got high expectations, high standards. Um, but ultimately, it's a team game. And, you know, receivers, as much as a bad rap as receivers get, they're actually the most selfless people on the field. You know, you got to wait for the offensive line to block. You got to wait for a pass play to be called. You got to wait for blitzes to be picked up. You got to wait for a, you know, a good ball to be thrown all for just one opportunity in the game. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of receivers get a bad rap for wanting the ball, but, you know, 60 plays out of a game and you're running around all 60, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the easiest of positions. So. Going to bat for the whole position group league-wide with that one. What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. It's, it's just funny because, I mean, look, in order to have content, um, reporters have to ask questions. That is their job. Um, if you and I were in there, we'd have to come up with questions. Uh, but I just think it's funny. It's like, yeah, I'm not where I'm at. But he gives the perfect answer, right? I didn't come here with that. Did he say this one yet? He he said something like this. He says this a couple times. He's like, "This is coming." Yep. Oh, this is coming. Let me let me remove that then. But basically, he's like, "I'm not where I'm at," which we all know what that means. You know, he he doesn't have a lot of yards. He doesn't have any touchdowns. Um, you know, a handful of catches. Not where he's at. But then they're like, "Well, what does that mean?" So that's where he kind of gets into like, but, but I was actually thinking about, it's kind of random that I was actually thinking about how often those guys. And I think it's because I've been watching more all 22. Cause when you have that side um, broadcast angle, you're not really seeing what these wide receivers are doing. And when I'm watching the all 22, it's just like, dang, those dudes are running like 20 yards, every single play whether it's in motion or going out and then they got to come back and then they got to, go to the middle of the huddle and they got to go way back out. I mean, those dudes are running their butts off and he's right. Like if on a great day, when you're running that many yards, you have what, like eight targets, nine targets, 10 targets on a great day. But most days it's like four or five. So, and that's, and that's, if you're one of the top reads, the one or two reads in, in Lamar's progression. So, uh, I think he's right. I mean, it's like, uh, no wonder they yell to get the ball wide receivers. I mean, it's like, cause you're doing a lot of work and you're doing a lot of running. It's easy to take for granted the conditioning that's required, the blocking that's required, the perfect timing that's required. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into the wide receiver position at the NFL. If you're wondering about the statistics that were, that he's kind of suggesting here, six games he's played, he started four of those. So the Ravens have played eight, meaning he's missed two of them. I believe that was due to an ankle injury, right, Sarah? I think it was. I believe so. Yep, because it wasn't it was his in, knee. I remember us all being like, "Okay, good, it's not his knee." Yep. So an ankle. Yep. Con- I was going to say ankle contusion. That was the stomach contusion from from the Buddha Baker yeah. hit that he sustained in Arizona. But so six games, four of which he started, twenty six targets, fourteen receptions for one hundred and sixty two yards. Yeah, still looking for that first t- touchdown. Obviously, far from a banner start to the season, especially for his high standards. Now. We saw the frustrations boil over a little bit. And when I say a little bit, it came in the form of the helmet slam after drawing his third 
defensive pass interference. And as he mentioned <laughs> during his media availability on Thursday, he wishes those dang stats would show up in the box score for drawing those. That's not what happens in the NFL, but he was asked what led to the helmet slam. I mean, at the end of the day, we're 6-2. and two. We keep it pushing, keep it rolling. Um, I didn't come here with the expectations that I'd be going for 2,000 yards. Uh, you know, we're trying to win the Super Bowl, so it is what it is at this point. Uh, just walking that fine line of being grateful to be back on the field, but definitely not being content with you know, where I'm at or, or how I feel internally about what's going on. So just got to keep pushing. And the quick follow-up to that is if he takes pride in all of these DPIs that he's drawing. Not really. I wish they, the numbers went to the, to the stats, but they don't. So, yeah, I mean, good for us. We keep it moving, keep the chains going, get a new set of downs, and then uh, go from there. I love his honesty, and here is that quote that you were referencing a couple minutes ago. Jeff Zarebek transcribed it on Twitter. Quote, I didn't come here with the expectation that I'm going for 2,000 yards or trying to win a Super Bowl. There's part of me that feels like when he's saying that, especially as you're kind of watching the body language, that like he's like gritting his teeth. It's kind of like <laughs> when I tell my son to apologize to his sister or you know whatever the whatever the millions of things or vice versa my sister or the sister having to apologize to the brother it's like oh i'm sorry fine i'm sorry and so there's it's not that exaggerated right i'm trying to like just use that as as an example so and and so because it's so difficult to do that i actually commend him like it's like uh, I, can't, I have to let go of the 2,000 yards. I'm probably going to have to let go of the 1,000 yards. Um, but you know what? We're here to win a Super Bowl, and we're 6-2. and two. The, And so that's the right thing to say. And, and for him to say it when he's as disappointed as he is, to me, is commendable. And here's the other thing. You might want him to say it with a little bit more happiness, just like I would want my son to say it sorry with like more, you know, like genuine feelings. Um, but um, shoot, I kind of lost lost my thought on that. You want him to be, but at the same time, like I'm okay with it because I want him to be hungry. This is what I said Sunday when he when he threw the helmet down. Like I'm okay. I want the fire. I want that. And um, and I just I just love that it's like things are not going well for me right now but team first super bowl first so he's keeping it in perspective but at the same time he's saying i'm not content oh this is what i was going to say um the the it's tough to say all that when you've got a huddle of reporters and again i'm not bashing the reporters they're doing exactly what their job is uh but when you are going through a when you're going through a rough stretch and you're and you're angry at this rough stretch, and then you have what ten to fifteen reporters with microphones in your face, being like, "Tell us about this rough stretch," and do it with happiness. You know what I mean? Like, do it as if you're not bothered by it. Like, like it's it's okay that he's not content because it's like it just stinks to have to sit there and have cameras and microphones in your face and talk about this rough stretch. Like, you know. So I, I actually quite liked again. I think it's signs of maturity of the of the Odell Beckham Jr. that we're getting. It's like we're winning. I got to leave this alone. I got to be patient, and you know that's what I'm here for. It's to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I had no, I had no problem with what he said. 
it's just I think what you're kind of getting at is that the body language didn't match up with the wording, right? Like that was kind of he was he seemed. But a little, I do think I'll, he believes it. It's just so, hard to get there. Yes, yeah. yes. He yeah. can't get his full self to buy into what he's saying, you know? <laughs> and so he's saying the right things, but his body language, and we did an episode around this, matter of fact, probably about a month ago or so, right before, actually, I think it was right before London week, where he just seemed a little a little down, you know, a little upset. And and so while he's saying, and, and he's being transparent, he's being honest, right? He's being a professional out there. It's just not matching up with the body language. What I loved most most of all, and this is the final clip of all of them, is how he responded to a question that was essentially asking, hey, what about this ongoing process of trying to develop on-field chemistry with Lamar? He took it in a completely different direction, and I thought this was the best uh, from this entire clip. I mean, again, it's just, if, I mean, I can count on two hands how many people in this locker room need to get the ball. One of them needs to get to his locker right now. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys like, you know, there's only one football, there's seven, eight guys that are, that are looking to get it and we're all hungry and we're all, you know, happy for each other when the next man gets it. So it's just all the processes. Again, like I said, you're trying to figure out exactly what stuff's going to work for you going forward. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't sign here thinking that I was going to be, a, you know, eclipsing 2,000 yards or having 1,000 yards in week eight. Um, I think there's only one or two other receivers who do, so. It's just, it's just about finding ways to win at this point, honestly. Um, you know, trying to get rings on your finger, like that's, that's, that's a lot of fun. Uh, I can tell you that much. So that, that's the goal. All that was courtesy of Brian Wacker. You can find him on Twitter at Brian Wacker one, as you see there on the bottom hand side of the screen. If you're audio only, it's Brian B R I A N W A C K E R one from the Baltimore Sun, but you see what well, I'm saying there? Why was that there? your favorite? Why was that your favorite? I, I just thought that that was the most revealing in terms of the selflessness that he's, he's spoken about at the mm-hmm. wide receiver position. He's showing you that. He's showing his leadership there. He understands. I don't know who was trying to get to his locker. Maybe Rashad. I don't know who sits next oh, okay. to him. <laughs> but I think I, I want to say that, that he and Rashad may have their lockers next to each other. But but anyway, clearly it was a wide receiver or some other playmaker that, that needs the ball. And I just thought that was his best showcase so far in terms of what we've seen that that's visible to the media of being a leader. And he, he takes it from the reporter wanted to ask or wanted an answer related to the on-field chemistry with Lamar. And in his head, he's like, okay, I'm just going to say some ridiculous answer about it's a work in progress. Now I'm going to take it in a different direction and say, look, there's a lot of mouths to feed here. And, and I understand that. And yeah. and he and he brought it back to the whole like realistic expectations and whatnot. Kind of, oh, I feel like he's had to temper his expectations uh, in this in this yeah. this ongoing comeback, and that can be hard when you are an iconic player, right? You are somebody who has achieved it all in in your craft, and so we're we're seeing just the other side of thirty for a wide receiver who's been through the thick of it in terms of an injury situation. It's a really fascinating human interest story to watch him uh, deal with this and, and work through it in real time. We talked about body language, but in that one was, there was actually body language where I believed him when he like at the end and for the audio only people, when he said that it's fun to compete for a Super Bowl, he got a big smile on his face. He like took this deep breath. He's like, and it's fun competing. Like that part was like, legit do you know what i mean when he if you're if he can focus his brain on that part rather than what he's not able to get in touchdowns and all that kind of stuff 
that's what he's doing. It's like, he's trying to decide which one to focus on. Right. And some, and sometimes it's, it's gotta be both. Cause he's got to keep working on his craft with Lamar. I mean, we want him by the time December and January hits, we want him to be like, yes, I've hit the chemistry. The chemistry's here. Da, da, da. That's what we want. That's what he signed for. But while he's going through these stretches, I love that, that, that body language was legit. Yeah. Yep. This is fun to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he knows that that's rare. He's been with giants. He's been with Browns. He did get to obviously win the Super Bowl with, with the uh, Rams, but he knows what it's like to be on both. And that part was very like, okay, he does. He's, he's being for real. He loves being on a winning team and he's willing to put himself to the side because this team, he sees the potential in this team. He had visions of that Los Angeles parade being downtown charm, baby, in February 2024. Why not? Before we get to some notable pieces from Todd Munkin's Thursday press conference, we do want to make sure we shout out two of our returning patrons. These two are supporting everything we're building here inside the channel through Patreon this month. So shout out Lisa and Bryant Mason. And Bryant is actually the small business Patreon title sponsor for this episode. So this is a big one for you, Bryant. We appreciate you both, Lisa and Bryant, for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And if you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast, which can be found in the show notes below. Pulled a couple different things here from Todd Munk and Sarah, uh, including what he says saved the Ravens offense on Sunday in the desert against the Cardinals. I'll let him explain. No, you certainly... What saved us on, on Sunday was we were outstanding in the red zone. I mean, that's what saved us, is that when we got down there, um, we scored touchdowns. I mean, so with the oppor- we had other opportunities. We just we didn't take advantage of them. But when we did get down there, I mean, that certainly saved us. And certainly we saw a little bit more drop eight uh, than when, when what we have seen when we went five-man pro. That's when it came up. You released the back or we went five-man protection. So it came up, you know, couple handfuls of times of when we were throwing it so again I think any time that you're able to see something and still come out of it with a win still have some things that you felt like you did well and a lot of things that you certainly can continue to build on wait a second so red zone production bailed them out red zone production the year 2023 that's a beautiful thing why you look so puzzled well, no, uh, you sounded, I was puzzled at you. Like you were like, wait a minute. As if you were trying to like, I'm comparing it to figure- last year. <laughs> oh, I was like, what are you, I thought you were asking some sort of like, wait a minute, they weren't good in the red zone. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure they were, they were good in the red zone. I'm just saying um, it's night and day from a year ago. It feels good to be saying that we got bailed out by red zone production. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, the Ravens were four for four in the red zone. What was the question to that? Do you know? No, I don't. I don't. It wasn't included in the Ravens. Unfortunately, because I'd like to know what he's like speaking to of what I mean. I know what I think was clunky, but I'm I'm wondering what uh, the question was to know what he thinks was. Uh, anyway, I, they just weren't moving the ball as well between the twenties. And then we talked about this in the preview game when we were given our our predictions because you gave the Ravens so many points. And I was like, yeah, if we get more, you know, turnovers, especially on you know the the other side of the field, and you've got the offense. I mean, he's right. I mean, four for four in the red zone. Just keep that up. I mean, you don't turn the ball over, play well in the red zone, and you're bound to put up quite a few points. Yeah. I'm looking around from the beat reporters because they haven't put up the transcripts yet in terms of what the question was that generated that answer, but not seeing anything quite yet, so maybe we can follow up on that when it comes through. But more from Todd Munkin, just talking 
and speaking to the run game, which obviously with Gus Edwards getting it done, three touchdowns, the most by a running back since 2019 when Mark Ingram did it, that controlled and it really set the tempo in the second half. But he did make sure to note, Sarah, and we talked about this in the postgame show, there was a much more concerted effort, a cleaner operation at running back, their strategy from the first half to the second half, and he noted that. Pleased. I have been relatively pleased uh, in terms of how we've run the football. Certain times we could be better. Um, we certainly, Sunday, felt better. We ran the ball better in the second half, called it better in the second half. Um, we had a few more RPOs early in the game that got thrown when we had opportunities to run it. And uh, that really, you know, when it, when it, the drive that got it to 24 and the drive that got it to 31, really, uh, if you said throughout the game, outside of the first time we scored, made you feel good about, you know, we wanted to end the game on our terms. And we didn't end it then, but it's the last time we got on the field and we're able to run the football. And, and um, I like the way we scheme it. I like our guys. I think we are certainly capable of that. And um, we need to continue that. I mean, you can't control the game if you can't run the football. I mean, if you just can't, you can't control the game, your play action game's not, not up to speed, your short yardage, your goal line. We've been good in the red zone because we've been able to run it. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, when we've been able to run it well, we've scored running the football. And that, that adds to a lot of areas, short yardage, converting third downs. If you get into four minute, right, uh, goal line, red zone, those are all things that lead into situational football that helps you win. Um, and it gives your defense a blow. You're able to, to, to take time off the clock. And um, like I said, it, everything starts with that. And Lamar's a part of that. Whether it's uh, schemed up or he takes off and runs, that, that ends up on rushing yards. You know, So he is certainly, even though we haven't used him as much maybe in uh, the quarterback-driven stuff, his ability to get outside the pocket and run uh, or even on short yardage is, uh, has added to that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's funny because obviously I've, I've been saying that I wanted the Ravens to try to get a home run hitter at, at running back. I feel like between who's on the roster and practice squad, the Ravens are pretty solid. I just didn't feel, I just don't feel like they have this home run hitter. And I'm nervous if, if Gus Edwards were to go down. But yeah. that being said, the Ravens are number three in rush offense, you know, in the entire league. And I think they're going to have a big opportunity again to run the ball well. Um, Seahawks are ranked uh, 19 in rush defense and on top of that, they've been particularly vulnerable to quarterbacks that can run. So I would like to see, um, I always want balance, uh, but I'd like to see both Gus and Lamar and Keaton Mitchell. I'm hoping he's back. I'd like to see a heavy r- dose of running, especially because that secondary in Seattle's no joke, especially as they've gotten healthier. Yeah, uh, that's what ultimately led to, and if you haven't checked it out already, our our game preview is up with ESPN's Seahawks reporter uh, Brady Henderson. And I think what what really led me to we did we gave our predictions at the end of that episode, and I think just forecasting what the Ravens might be able to do and take advantage of, given some of Seattle's weaknesses in the rushing department, I think was going to be the the difference and why I went thirty twenty four. Ravens over Seahawks, but uh, the national scene got some reaction for us. What do we got? I figured, let me just finish up with on the Ravens side news coming out of there and then we'll do some national scene real quick. So really quickly, uh, great news, obviously uh, on the injury report, John Harbaugh had indicated that, you know, people, there was nothing concerning. He was right. He told the truth. A lot of people feel like he's always hiding stuff and not telling, but uh <laughs> Gus Edwards came back to practice. Odell Beckham Jr. came back to practice. Ronnie Stanley came back to practice. Ode, Odafe Owe. So all of them came back. Morgan Moses did not. He's got that shoulder. Um, of course, um, they have Patrick McCary if he can't go. Rocky Sin, he's out with an illness, so no injury. And then Ben Cleveland was a new absent. So uh, any notes there for you, or should we move on? Let's move forward. I'm not too worried about that report whatsoever, which is no, good. The fact neither. that it's November 2nd, we could say that. Oh, so. <laughs> November 3rd. Not on wood, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. So, okay. So on the national scene, um, there are a lot of heavyweight games this weekend that are going to be fun. Um, Cincinnati and the Bills play, obviously Ravens and Seahawks. Um, i trying to remember Casey. Kansas City play. Oh, Dolphins, I believe. Um, and then there's one more heavyweight one. So anyway, uh, the folks over at First Take uh, were asked, like, who could send the biggest message? Okay. And um, I've got comments on this, but this is Stephen A. Smith on who could send the biggest message on a win. Seattle Seahawks. They're in first place. The San Francisco 49ers are nosediving. We're looking at Geno Smith right now. We're looking at a defense that's been the stingiest in the NFL since week four, averaging about 12 and a half points surrendering per game after giving up 29 in game the first three weeks. So we got to take that into consideration. 
Okay. And we got to look at the fact that they just picked up Williams via trade. And you've got a situation right now. You're getting ready to go up against Lamar Jackson. You've got to make some noise. Now, keep in mind that the Baltimore Ravens, obviously, when they really tight man coverage, they get all up in you. That's when Geno Smith is at his worth. He's only averaged like 3.6 yards of pass completion when, when, you know, against man coverage, tight man coverage like that, right? Which is like 36. What is it? I got it. I wrote it. I wrote it down here. It's like 36, uh, uh, last among the 36 qualifying quarterbacks in that category. So we got to think about all of that. If Geno Smith goes out against Lamar Jackson, and against this Baltimore Ravens defense that is one of the elite in football, number one in scoring defense, number one in defense, number two in defense, something along those lines. You look at it from that perspective and Lamar Jackson on the other side of the ball and Geno Smith goes up against Baltimore and handles his business with the way San Francisco is looking. Minnesota having lost Kirk Cousins, the Dallas Cowboys and the Eagles going up against each other. So somebody is going to fall. Hey, I got to tell you. I got to look at Geno Smith in Seattle. <laughs> okay, Kimberly was cracking me up. She. <laughs> this has become a bit. <laughs> this has really <laughs> become a bit. <laughs> it's definitely become a bit for the audio-only people. She was pretending to fall asleep and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> but let me tell you why I pulled this. Okay. I know Baltimore, okay? Us in Baltimore, we like to be underdogs. We like it. And it's always fun to upset the giant. And... You're also, there's like less expectations on you. But I want to see what he's talking about. Where this great team, which is five and two, they've already had their bye week. Ravens are six and two. And he's saying Ravens are now the measuring stick. Okay. It's awesome when the Ravens can go play a game and it's like, boom, statement game. Great. That's because, that's because the Ravens were not expected to do what they did. I want to get to the point. It's always fun to be the underdog, sure. But uh, to be the alpha team, it means people are looking at you and they want to put up your best, their best game, and they're going to give you their best shot. And you take their arrows and you take their punches and you still win. That's the next level. I want to go from underdog to like the expectation and then meet the expectations because that's what alphas do. That's what an alpha team does. I don't want to be underdog anymore. I want to be the measuring stick that everybody else wants to look at that Geno Smith is saying, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to play well against Lamar or I want to play well against this defense. So that's where the Ravens are. And I want them, they've got big expectations and I want them to meet it and prove that they're that team. Keep giving us your biggest hits. Keep giving us your biggest blows. We'll just absorb them and take you down. So who's saying that they're low-key best in the conference? Okay, fine. I'll give you this. I was going to skip over this, but now I'm fired up. Here we go. <laughs> I can uh, tell. I can tell. <laughs> it's a mentality. I'm always trying to push the mentality around here. Okay, here we go. D. Wood, if I were to look you right in the face right now, and I were to say low-key, even though no one's paying attention to what the Ravens have been the best team in the AFC so far this season, what would you say? Absolutely. They've been, the, you know, they, they've dropped some games they should have won. I mean, they, they the should side, be yeah. They, yeah, they could. You can make a case they should be undefeated right now. Um, the Ravens are, they're playing outstanding football, especially on the defense side. When the offense really starts clicking, especially the pass game, 
scary. They're going to be that's, very that's the scary. Thing for me. We've right. seen it against Detroit. When they consistently start to uh, right. have that showing on a consistent basis offensively, this is going to be a scary team. This is a top five defense. Mm-hmm. They lead the league in sacks right now. I love where the Baltimore Ravens are. They are the best team in the AFC. And I said it loud and proud, my fellow Louisville alum, Lamar, keep doing your thing, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I said it loud and proud. That's what I'm talking about. Be named the best in the AFC. Don't shy away from it. Don't try to like sh- like try to hide from it. Like just be it and take take what other people have. Um, and he's right. We've talked about it before. The Ravens could be undefeated. They're not. And Bobby, I'm people are starting to talk about the Bengals again, and I get it. They're starting to get healthy. They're doing all the right things. But now all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, I don't know. Is it going to be the Ravens or the Bengals? Like, let's take the Bengals' best shot and stay the best. That's where we. That's the level we're trying to get to here. D. Woody's like, you can make a case. It's a piece of cake case that yeah. they should be undefeated. Absolutely. It's a piece of cake case that they should be undefeated. We all know what happened against the Colts, and we all know what happened on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, bottom line is they're not. Six and two, still good for a top both the conference tied and a one and a half game lead through eight weeks in division. All right, we caught you up to speed on the injury situation as of Thursday evening. Now we got to talk about a situation that's apparently brewing based on what you're seeing on social media, based on the first firing at the head coaching position this year, right? We told you about Josh McDaniels getting let go by the Vegas Raiders, eight weeks into the season after just a disastrous first couple months from them. You think about the turmoil and the tumultuous times in Vegas. I mean, the the Henry Ruggs DUI comes to mind, the way that they treated Derek Carr at his departure, how unhappy Devontae Adams, who most people think is the, is the best wide receiver in the game today. It's just, it's not, it's, it's just not very functional over there. It's dysfunction. And, and we read that statistic with, how many GMs and head coaches they've had over the years. It's it's just how can you maintain stability? It gives you such an appreciation and gratitude for what Baltimore's been able to do throughout this 27-year run in existence in Baltimore. But at Ebony Bird, one of the local Ravens publications, put out and just posed the question, will Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald leave for a head coaching position in Las Vegas? Now, what I've read is, so this Antonio Pierce interim, who's a former New York Giant, former NFL player, he is the interim head coach. So he's certainly going to have a chance to show what he can do down the stretch in Vegas. And it sure seems like they're not going to make a full-time decision on who's their permanent guy until after the year. Will Mike McDonald get an interview? Sarah, at this rate, he's in his second year as a defensive coordinator. We know he went out with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan for just a year after being with the Ravens and then he bring they bring him back a year later like this dude is no unquestionably it's just a matter of when not if based on the the seamless transition I don't want to say seamless he's had his struggles Rex Ryan knows a thing or two about that but I, I just one of his first year but I'll go <laughs> ahead literally against the <laughs> high-flying Dolphins team yeah. I think it was Dolphins right but maybe that was week two um something like that it's not when it's 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 not if it's a ma- it's when you know for this guy is, is what I thought. I mean, just he, he looks the part, he acts the part. His scheme. It, I mean, look at all the different guys who are contributing in the sack department. You're getting guys that are developing right before our eyes, and Justin Matabike and and Travis Jones and Michael Pierce is having a solid year. And we haven't even talked about the edge guys. So 
yeah, I, I, to me, it's a matter of, of when, not if. Well, so what's interesting is, you know, I pulled this specific tweet, but a lot of people have been asking this, and I mean like national publications, and that's when you get a little bit more nervous. It's like one thing for everybody in Baltimore who watches him weekly to be like, oh, could he be a head coach? But like national publications already naming him as like a p- potential candidate. It's like, uh-oh. Uh, but for Mike McDonald's sake, do not go to Las Vegas, number one, okay? Oof, I think I think he could be in a position – I don't know when John Harbaugh is going to retire. He's 61. What, will he go till he's 65? I don't know. But I think that Mike McDonald is in a Eric DaCosta-type situation before Eric DaCosta became a GM to where Eric knew how good he had it in Baltimore. And eventually he got – what he got was this deal with Steve Bashotti, who was like, look, stay with me for five more years – I'm going to pay you as if you're a GM and then we'll transition you. And obviously Ozzy is still around. And I mean, he is around. He's in everything. Yes. Okay? He's still yes. got an office up on the second floor with all those guys. He's in art models, former office. Like he's up there in the thick of everything. Do not think that he's like, yeah, he's around and he gives his opinions. So if Eric DaCosta had wanted to go, he could have had, he could have been patient and picked whatever organization he wanted. He just so happened that wanted the Ravens. And so he got paid for five years like he was a GM. And as promised, Ozzy stepped down, and then Eric became the the official GM. If Mike McDonald want to go down that road, it's different in coaching because you never know how long it's going to like last that you have a good defense. But I feel like he's good enough and he's young enough that he can just be patient, wait till you're in a – you you have an opening in an organization where there's stability at owner, there's a stability at GM, and then slide right in there. I just don't want to see him in a bad situation where like there's just yeah too much craziness. So but yeah, that that's my only way that he could stay with the, with the Ravens is if like there was like an Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsome type deal with with Steve Bashotti. He's he's generating that kind of like that that much buzz. He's thirty six, Sarah. He's 36 years old. There's some guy still playing at 36. Get out of here. That's yeah. crazy. He turns 37 in June. And just to go back to the whole instability thing compared to what we see in year in and year out with just the consistency, the camaraderie in Baltimore, we all know the Ravens have had three head coaches, two general managers in their 27-year history. The Raiders, <laughs> they will have had 15 head coaches and six GMs in that same time period. So if history repeats itself, and based on what we've seen in the last few years, it will. Why the heck would you go there if you're looking for those things, those mainstays that you know you're going to get if you have a little bit of patience? Yes, it's very different to your point compared to the front office. Coaching is very, very different. But uh, just the fact that his name is being brought up in these conversations just Got to give him his flowers because this this has been a pretty dang good transition in year two, and they're looking like a bona fide top five defense, like Damian Woody said. All right, a couple quick hits here. Just a quick one. It's a quick hit, so it's a quick one. Uh, tight end Mark Andrews, uh, as we know, has posted the most tight or touchdown catches among all NFL tight ends this season. And Bobby, he didn't play week one, and I can't remember which week it was. But it was like, I feel like week four where um, Monkin was like, oh, yeah, he's finally starting to feel good. So the fact that he's like leading the NFL 
Unreal. Uh, when he was <laughs> hampered in the first four games. Anyway, he is one receiving touchdown shy of tying the great tight end Todd Heap for the all-time franchise record at 41. Bobby, he's going to blow this record away. I mean, there's a chance he ties it this week. He could even surpass it this week. Um, So, by the way, Travis Kelsey is second in the league with four. Um, And the the, the third person in franchise history is Torrey Smith with 30. I didn't realize that. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, he's got so many years left, Mark Andrews. He's just going <laughs> to blow Todd Heap out of the water. Uh, and you and I love Todd Heap. I know you just had him on the show, but uh, that's, that's, that's great things to come for Mark Andrews. Well, I was just going to say, Todd is very aware. <laughs> Todd's very oh, aware that, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. that this thing's dead in the water, much like Derek Mason told me in London that, that he thinks Zay is going to blow every record that he put forth here in Baltimore out of the water. So I did I did tell Todd off camera that it would be cool to have him on once this record is is, is you know sayonara. So hopefully, yeah. and, he, and he agreed to it, so hopefully we can revisit that in the coming mm-hmm. weeks. Maybe we'll be revisiting it next week if he's able to get to that 42 number, but but it also just speaks to what Mark's done in such a short amount of time, you know, and, and uh, obviously he's been nothing short of, of productive, explosive, and such a, an important piece to what Lamar's done throughout his time in Baltimore as well. So if you haven't already done so, please go check out what we're offering on Patreon by visiting Patreon. Wait, wait, wait. Kevon Seymour. Oops. Thank you. How could I yeah, do him like more, that? You know, one, one more quick hit. Ravens released cornerback Kevon Seymour. He is now subject to waivers, uh, so we'll we'll see if he if he returns. Um, that's obviously a roster spot needed when uh, the Ravens activated Daryl Worley off of IR. They wanted to get a week of looking at him. He they they he's obviously playing well enough that they're like, okay, we're going to make this official because they had three weeks to 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 decide if he officially comes on or goes back. Uh, so we'll see. I don't want to lose Kevon Seymour. I feel like he's been great in a pinch, but. Again, this is such great news that the Ravens got a, you know, I'm not saying Keegan Seymour is like this world beater, but I feel like he's been, you know, good depth, but so has Daryl Worley. And I'm just so happy that we're in this position where the Ravens have to let go of somebody because they have enough healthy people and enough people that are playing well. So that's a good problem to have for sure. Sorry. Now you can get on to the, the, pa- the patrons. Patreons. Sorry, Keevon. Sorry, Keevon. Didn't mean to slight you like that. Hopefully you get signed. So now live, uh, our Seahawks-Ravens preview with ESPN's Brady Henderson. You can check that out in the archives. We thank Brady for his time. Gave us a good look at at what the Ravens are going to be seeing on Sunday inside the bank. You can join the Vault Patreon community by checking out the show notes below. Special thanks to Bryant Mason for being this episode's small business Patreon sponsor and his group at uh, Minute. Mid-Atlantic Financial Group. So with that, I will have your pregame show live from the Be More Around Town tailgate at 801 Austin Street, right outside M&T Bank Stadium. So if you're around, you want to pop by, I hear there's a chance that C-Mac, Chris McAllister, former Super Bowl winning Raven, he is going to be the legend of the game. And I, I hear there's a chance that he's going to be stopping by the tailgate. I'll be there as well from probably like 11 to... 1230 or so. So hope to see you guys there. Sarah and I will be back in post-game form after this one finishes up and the press conferences finish up after Ravens Seahawks. We'll be ready to roll week nine of the NFL seasons here. Have a great weekend. Thank you guys so much. If you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to the channel and liking this video if you enjoyed the content.